Today's reading is taken from Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to 32. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And the man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, "Let me go, for it is daybreak." But Jacob replied, "I will not let you go unless you bless me." The man asked him, "What is your name?" Jacob. He answered. Then the man said. Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, "Please tell me your name." But he replied, "Why do you ask my name?" Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, "It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared." The sun rose above him as he passed the Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. This is the word of the Lord. Can we go to the very beginning? Very first slide. There we go. Let's. Sorry. Let's pray. Lord, once again, thank you so much that you're a speaking and living God. We thank you that it is your word that builds us up, um, that it is、uh, your word that、uh, we need to eat from.、Um, we thank you uh, uh, that uh, you are alive, that you will speak to us. We pray that you'll send your Spirit to me, that I'll only speak the truth of your word. But we also pray that you'll send your Spirit to the congregation, that only the truth of your word will be heard and that it'll be planted, and that it'll grow. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Well, approval from others, wealth, prestige, or that right girl or boy—these are the things that Jacob、uh, wanted and worked hard to get. We've been hearing about how the, to the extent to which Jacob wanted to get these blessings for himself, how he longed for his father's approval and wealth, and how he then pretended to be somebody else to get that blessing from him. Last week, you heard from Alex about how Jacob struggled to get that girl that he really wanted—seven years, and then another seven years—so he could win Rachel as his wife. He then later worked for Laban. And he got rich by uh, by uh, using tr- uh, tricks,、um, using tricks uh, to uh, increase his flock. We can all identify to a degree with Jacob, can we? We work hard for a fatter bank account, like Jacob. We struggle daily for、uh, to get people's recognition in our lives. Struggle to get the right spouse is one that is sung about and told about daily all around us. And you see, Jacob was a wrestler, and he was wrestling. He, he wrestled for his entire life. He wrestled to get these blessings、uh, from people、uh, all his life by working hard, taking shortcuts, cheating, pretending to be what is not. By work, just putting in the time and working hard. But today, that metaphorical wrestling becomes literal. 
He literally wrestles to get his blessings. But before we go any further, let me give you some context to this story. So after he marries Rachel, he works for many years for Laban, his uncle. He's returning home now, uh, but as he's returning home, he has to face his own brother, who actually had vowed to kill him once because he stole uh, that birthright. And so he sends out his messengers uh, to his brother to check out how he, how he is, and the messengers come back with the news, actually, that Esau is going to meet him with 400 men. And rightly, he's scared. Why would he bring 400 men with him unless he's going to harm him? So what he does is he sends his life savings away and in front of him. He divides all his flocks, his uh, bulls and goats and sheep and camels, and sends them in waves to uh, pacify his brother, to, to, uh, to, um, to, to appease him, to soften him. He wants to save his own life. He wants to be the last person uh, to go. And so he even sends his, uh, his family in front of him. And at, the, at this time, he's utterly alone. It's at night. He's all alone, and he thinks that he's lost everything. That's when this wrestling match happens in verse 34. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the daybreak. The, de- the text isn't clear uh, why they started to wrestle or who started the fight. But it wouldn't, have been, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it was Jacob. After all, he was a desperate man who thinks he's lost everything. And I could easily imagine Jacob watching this man coming um, and just tackling him and to see what he could get from him. Jacob didn't know who he was wrestling at first. He just is a wrestler. He wants to take things from all the people around him. But slowly, this mystery man reveals his identity. When this man wants to leave before the daybreak, and this is an act of mercy because whoever sees God face to face dies, right? So God wants to leave before the daybreak, but Jacob then asks for a blessing. Jacob must have sensed that there was something special about this person, uh, especially when he strikes him, but he doesn't let him, so he doesn't let him go. He wants this man to bless him, to give him something. So God changes his name from Jacob to Israel. And of course, Israel means uh, he who struggles with God. He who struggles with God. So as his name's changed, as he listens, is listening to this, he slowly, it slowly dawns on him who, who this figure is, that it's God. But to make sure, Jacob asks uh, his name. What's your name? But God does not um, have a name as such. He is just who he is. And so the man replies, why do you ask for my name? Instead of giving him the name, he blesses him. I think that's the aha moment for Jacob when he realizes that it is God that he wrestled. When he doesn't give him a name, because he can't give him a name. He is Yahweh. I am who I am. He is who he is. Finally, he realizes that he's blessed by God. Now, it's understandable why Jacob would wrestle a stranger. He just wrestle, he's a wrestler. But why would God wrestle Jacob in this way? That's the big question. Why pretend not to have this power to overpower power him from the very beginning? Why wrestle him throughout the night at all? And I think this is why. God wants to show that Jacob's striving for different things, different blessings all of his life is ultimately spiritual in character. So he makes what is spiritual physical so that God could, uh, Jacob could see what his struggle was all about very clearly. 
He wants to show while Jacob had been wrestling to get all these things from all the people around him, what he really needed and what he really wanted is God himself, the source of all blessings. What he wa- when he's wrestling and when he was wanting these things, he actually wanted God. His striving always has been with God. And this makes sense uh, if we understand our striving, why we strive. All our struggle ultimately is wrestling against and for God, isn't it? We constantly seek people's approval. Isn't that a symptom of seeking approval from the highest? Approvals are never enough. We seek perfect love in our relationship, um, in our families, in our friends, in our spouses. Aren't uh, this perfect, the, the, the quest to find perfect love really uh, find, uh, a quest to find uh, uh, the, the only love that truly satisfies? That we want security that comes from wealth. Isn't that ultimately a form of seeking security that only God can provide? God, our rock and our refuge. That we are discontent and worry in our situations. That's a struggle against God. It's distrusting God's goodness. It's distrusting um, God's sovereignty in our life. That we want our names to go on forever. Isn't that a symptom of wanting immortality to go on forever? That only, that, that, that's, the, uh, that, the, that's the thing that only God can provide. Our struggles are against God to find what only God can provide in our lives. And C.S. Lewis put it the best in his famous quote, um, a famous book, uh, uh, Mere Christianity. He writes, most people, if they had really learned to look into their own hearts, would know that uh, they do want and want acutely something that cannot be had in this world. Um, these are, these are all sorts of things in this world that, that offer uh, to, to give it to you, but they never quite keep their promise. The longing which arises in us when we first, uh, first fall in love. Our first um, think of some foreign country or take up some uh, subject that excites us are longings which no marriage, no travel, no learning can really satisfy. There was something we grasped at, but at first moment of longing which fades away in, in, in the reality. Lewis points out that even good things in life ultimately do not satisfy. That, that we grasp it, but it disappears, and it leaves us wanting for more, something that we can only find in God. He goes on to say this is because we are made for a different home. We are made for a different person. We are made for God. And what we want in these good things in life, we can only find in God. We're struggling to find God. This is what God showed when God comes and wrestles Jacob in the middle of the night. All that Jacob wanted can be found in God, and he put a face to all his desires, his own face, God's face. So let me ask you, before we go on any further, do you see that your struggles, the things that you want most, do you see that that is found in God, that you are really struggling to find God? At continuous wrestling, do you, that continuous strive, a striving, do you see that that's ultimately a wrestling for God, to find God? And if you do, and if you do see this and you have God in Christ Jesus, then the question is, why do you continue striving this hard? Why do you uh, act as if your life depends on this, that you need this in order for you to be somebody, in order for you to be loved, in order for you to be recognized, to have that righteousness or whatever? Why do you continue to strive in this way? Jacob saw God's face, and he no longer had to be afraid 
of his brother. He can know, he could know that God was with him, that God's face shined, shined upon him. He had that perfect security. He could go on. And that lesson was really hard learned. It came at a great cost. Um, that, that, that lesson that he cannot find that ultimate blessing and security in him, in himself, in the things around him. That lesson was hard learned. It came at a great cost for it's not an easy thing to meet God either. Meeting God disabuses us of all kinds of delusions, especially delusions of grandeur. So think of, um, uh, it's easy to think that we're more powerful and more important uh, than we actually are, isn't it? And I think this is especially true in Hong Kong when actually many people have succeeded in their careers. When you are successful, it's easy to forget that you are a speck of dust, that your life will end, that you're not in control of your own situation. It's easy to believe that you can actually get the ultimate things on your own if you work a little bit harder. If you just put in that effort, if you just do the things that you, I mean, it's easy to delude yourself that you can get everything that you wanted if you just work hard. Jacob learns that lesson, that he can't do that in a painful way. Just look at what happens in this wrestling match. First, the narrator makes, makes it seem like Jacob is winning in this wrestling match. Verse 25, when the man saw that he could not overpower him. Well, was the man really not able to overpower Jacob? We know that that's not true because of what happens in the second half of that verse, in 20, verse 25. He touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so the hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. The commentators say that this word touched is touch of a finger. It's the lightest of touch. This man just touched him. And Jacob's hip went out of the socket. At the lightest touch of God, touch of God, Jacob was permanently hurt. He lived as he determined his own destiny and forged his own path. But at this devastating touch of God, he was reminded that he was not God. Later on, he realizes that when he realizes that he wrestled God, he realizes that he could have easily have died, verse 30. See, this is what happens. An encounter with God comes at our humiliation. No matter how healthy, wealthy, powerful, influential we are, we are just specks of dust, and we cannot find all the things that we're longing for on our own because we are finite beings. We need God in our life. And we, of course, realize this. When things go wrong in our life, when things go wrong, things when our health fails, our plans fail, despite our best efforts, we realize that we are not God, that our lives are dependent on God, And this is, of course, a good thing because it reminds us that we are not the captain of our own destiny, but God is. That God is on our side. That God is with us. It's a good thing to be reminded that we are finite beings. So Jacob was reminded of his finitude and his need for God. But meeting God also came with the the psychological and spiritual humiliation as well. Remember, before blessing uh, him, God asked, what's your name? Some liberal commentators uh, say that this is because this person wasn't God and he really wanted to know Jacob's name. I think that's silly. I think God knew exactly who Jacob was, but he wanted Jacob to say it out loud. God forces Jacob to admit that he is Jacob. And of course, that name means the crooked one, the deceiver. It's only after he admits that he is the crooked one, the deceiver, a sinner, 
God gives him a new name, Israel. And this happens when we meet God. We realize that we are sinners, that we are crooked beings in need of God's grace. When we stand in the presence of the holy God, we instinctively realize that we are sinners in need of a good cleansing. It's like a very smart person thinking that he is very smarter than everybody else and him talking to the smartest person in the, in, in the world and going, actually, I'm really dumb in comparison. That's what Jacob experienced. Jacob stood in front of God and he realizes that he is a sinner, that he is Jacob, that he doesn't deserve these blessings. So let me repeat something that I think is a theme in the Bible, theme, uh, one of the themes in the Bible, and themes of many sermons that I preach, I think. Uh, this theme is just that you are not God. We are not gods. So don't live your life like everything depended on you, and don't live your life as if you can achieve everything that you need on your own. Don't live like that, because you are not God. And secondly, that you are sinners in need of God's grace. That when we lose that sort of self-righteousness, uh, that, uh, that we don't deserve the things that we, we get in our life. Remember that. Because when we lose that uh, sort of self-righteousness, it's very freeing. We start l- looking less into ourselves, looking more into God and God's grace, and you experience freedom like you never before. When we recognize that we don't deserve all the good things in the world, we don't feel entitled anymore. We become grateful. That we, the things that we have already, we realize that this was given by grace, God's grace. So we don't, we don't deserve it. Even when bad things happen, it's not devastating because we, we realize actually the bad things that happen in our life, it's not um, as bad as what we actually deserve. What we actually deserve is much worse. That even that, that has been, uh, in, in that, God has been gracious to us. It's humbling to be in the presence of God. It is, but we need to recognize these things if we are to be in his presence, to, re, uh, to receive his blessings. And I hope you've seen that Jacob's struggle is not necessarily a good thing. This wrestling match was not a good thing. When some people read the story, they make it about not letting go of God and, and, uh, uh, until we receive God's blessings. And they make it out, uh, uh, um, that story to be, this story to be a good thing. Like, don't let go of God and get what you, you know, what you really want or, um, uh, from God. Don't uh, ask for it until God gives it to you. But this way of reading makes God a bad person. A person who's reluctant to give good things to his children. One who withholds his blessings until somehow we earn it. Now, that's not the God of the Bible. And that's not, that's not the lesson. The lesson isn't struggle with God and he will bless you. In fact, it's quite the opposite. This struggle, what Jacob did, was unnecessary. He was trying to win the blessings. He was worried sick for his life. He wanted all these things, and he thought that he had to get it from his wit, by his deception, by his own effort, when actually God was ready to give it to him already. God had blessed him already. If you go back to chapter 25, the very beginning of the story of Jacob, when Jacob is born, remember what God says to Rebekah when Jacob is born. It says, one person will be stronger, it's a twin, one person will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. 
God had determined for some reason, God's own reason, he chose Jacob and he was blessed from birth. He didn't need to grab onto his brother, uh, brother's heel as he, was, uh, as he was born, but he did because that's who he is. That God blessed him uh, was confirmed again when Esau uh, sold uh, Jacob his birthright over a soup. I mean, you think that's a coincidence? Who does that? And not only that, Jacob's shoddy scheme, the whole thing about sheepskin and things like that, that worked. He was blessed by his, by, by his father. You think that was just an accident? It was confirmed again when uh, he became wealthy uh, through genetic engineering. If you uh, read the chapters before, this isn't genetic engineering at all. The sheep, uh, he sort of, feed, uh, you know, he, uh, he puts this uh, bark, um, and it, which makes these sheep uh, striped, and he gets to keep the striped uh, things. If you read it, uh, he, he engages in this genetic engineering to increase his flock. But actually, it wasn't, that doesn't make sense. We know that doesn't make sense. God blessed him. God increased his flock. And most importantly, God appeared to him in a dream in Bethel. Remember, uh, two weeks ago when Reese was preaching, God renewed that Abrahamic blessing um, with him. He said in chapter 28, 13 to 15, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. All the people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. How much clearer can God get? God was with him. God blessed him. He had no reason to fear his brother or anything. Even in our chapter, chapter 32, verse 1, God assures him again. Jacob was, went on his way, and the angels, angels of God met him. Angels of God met him at the beginning of this journey to assure him that God was with him. The trouble was, Jacob did not trust in that promise, in these promises at all. He still thought that he had to earn his blessings. He had to work get it, to get it, fight for it, trick people into getting it. He used whatever possible means to get these blessings because he didn't trust God. And when you don't trust God, you are all you have. Your wits and your power, your strength, that's all you got. So this story isn't about Jacob's tenacity, because tenacity is not how we get God's blessings. God is not a stingy God, reluctant to give good things to his children. In fact, it's the opposite. Despite Jacob's character, despite Jacob's disbelief, despite all his scheming, Despite his trickery, God blesses him. God came down to wrestle with Jacob so that Jacob could literally see face to face that God was with him. You see, the basis for Jacob's blessing is God's faithfulness to the promise that he made to Abraham. He said, I'm going to make your descendants a blessing. You will inherit all of these things. It's not Jacob's hard work. Most certainly not his character. It's his faithfulness to the promise that he made to Abraham. And the basis for our blessings, for all of us, is the fulfillment, uh, fulfillment of the, uh, fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham and later to Jacob, Jesus Christ. We don't have to struggle to win God's blessings ourselves. Because Jesus came down as a human being, and he struggled on our behalf. He lived that life, and he won 
God's approval. He won that heavenly inheritance. He won God's perfect love for each one of us. He won perfect righteousness. And then he died a sinner's death so that we could have those blessedness, those blessings as a free gift. Jesus Christ is the basis for our blessings so that we don't have to strive for security, righteousness, acceptance, and love in this world. But like Jacob, we continue striving, don't we? We feel like we need to earn God's blessings, arrest it from others to keep it. We want to feel like we deserve it. And if you think, uh, that, uh, if you think about the name Israel, it's really not a very flattering name. Um, one who strives, who wrestles with God. That's what happened to Israel the rest of history in the Old Testament. Even though they, they had all the blessings of God, even though the God had assured them that God was with them, they continued distrusting God and they continued to strive with God. And so do we. We have all the blessings in Christ, but we continue to strive with God. But thank God that actually our striving, our character is not the basis of our blessings, but Christ is. As I uh, conclude, our striving ultimately is uh, to, uh, to find what we can only find in Jesus, in God. But this isn't necessary because Christ has won all of that for us. So let me ask, are you still striving today? We need to also realize that we aren't little gods, that we are sinful people, that we need God to bless us. We need to come to God and not try to earn this by ourselves. Do do we still think that we can earn these blessings by ourselves? Do we recognize that we don't deserve it? Because we don't deserve it, but we have every blessings in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we give you great praise and thanks that you sent your son, Jesus. We thank you for his striving, his struggling, um, his life, and his death, and his resurrection. We thank you that he died a sinner's death, that we can benefit uh, from his righteous life. Lord, help us to realize that we are sinners in need of your grace. Help us to realize that things that we are really looking for, we cannot earn by ourselves, but we can get it as a free gift from you. Help us to realize that all these things have been given freely in Christ Jesus. And help us to go and live our life not of a a striving, but uh, help us to live a life of praise and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.